Hello, Yellowstone fans. It's Jefferson White with you again. Jimmy Herdstrom on the show. And can I just say that it is, uh, it's good to be back. And I'm not just talking about the podcast. I think that we're all kind of reeling from this midseason finale. I cannot wait to dive into it and unpack it with the one and only Jen Landon, a.k.a. Teeter. Hey, Jeff. And speaking for the entire Yellowstone community, because I can, I just got to say it's really good to have you home even if that home is at the four sixes. It's, it was so heartwarming to see you. And we might be seeing each other soon because it looks like Teeter's going to Texas, so I'm going to keep my eye out for you. How crazy was this episode? Really wild. An episode with these amazing contrasts, right? So there, there's total loyalty being demonstrated and also just devastating betrayal. Yeah, like from Young Rip's branding and the commitment of that to the ranch, to Jamie's knife in the back. I mean, it was just crazy. Unbelievable. So we're going to cover all that. Plus, we are very, very lucky. We're going to talk to the man of the hour, Wes Bentley, Jamie Dutton, and maybe get a glimpse into what's next for Jamie. I'm flipping through his pages like, wow, that's going to be a beautiful scene. And then I turn it, and all I see is uh, someone's dragging me down the hallway, <laughs> kicking me in the face, and I'm crying. We're going to hear more from Wes in a little bit, but first, we're going to take a very quick break. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. CBS Friday and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Campfire's coming to you! Don't miss TV's hottest show, Fire Country. This is a high-complexity rescue with a low chance of success. Follow the rules, then you shave another day off your sentence. Critics call it explosive and pure entertainment. I'm a fella. I'm not fit to be anything else. You're not an inmate. You're a firefighter. Bring it on. Fire Country. New episode Friday, 9, 8 central on CBS and now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Jeff, do your parents ever call you after an episode to talk to you about uh, what they didn't like that you did? Or just to tell you maybe that they would have preferred that you do it slightly differently? Uh, that's b devastating to hear. Luckily, no, they don't because I haven't been in any of the episodes. <laughs> Jeff, I think today's episode is really going to be about you. Uh, I have half a mind to interview you as the guest because Jimmy does come back with a bang. Uh, I loved all of those scenes between you and Emily. Oh, thank you. That was a real, it was an incredible treat to get to do that stuff with Kat Kelly. And I'm also just excited for what the future holds. Uh, I'm incredibly excited to get to uh, work with my friends again, because let me tell you, it was a long, long half season being banished, banished from the ranch. Speaking of banishment, you know, this is also a huge Jamie episode, and Jamie seems to have perhaps been pushed so close to the edge that he's maybe finally snapped, and luckily, uh, we're going to hear it from the horse's mouth, as it were. We've got Wes Bentley as a guest today. 
I am so, so excited to dig into this stuff with Wes. Yeah, I, I actually, this was my favorite season for the Jamie character and Wes the actor. This might, the last two episodes might have been my favorite two episodes. And this, the scene, the scene with Beth in this episode was, was probably my favorite scene of all time for him. I, I can't help but be reminded of the fight between Jamie and Beth in season one. There's this like blowout fight they have in the barn that I think comes to blows. Uh, and this scene really bookended that. But both of these characters have changed so much. You know, the events the events of the last five seasons have changed them so much such that this is a much deeper, richer, sort of nastier conflict that's digging up years and years of resentment and anger and trauma that these characters have shared or failed to share. Uh, so it, it's really, really rich, exciting stuff. I can't wait to talk to Wes about it. Yeah. Um, so before we do that, should we just jump to the top and take everyone through this episode? Let's do that it. sounds great. Why not start at the beginning? It's a very good place to start. Um, so, you know, we start... We start in a cheery scene, a body <laughs> being dumped at the train station, you know, a real, real cheerful moment. Uh, I thought it was so interesting, the dynamic that's being established there in terms of the relationship with the train station, the way that Josh Lucas sort of was whatever he was going through in that truck as young Rip and young Lloyd were dumping that body was particularly interesting to me. I wondered if you had thoughts about that. Yeah, it's fascinating. We're seeing John Dutton long before his evolution or maybe partway through his evolution. And at this time in his life, he is not ready mm -hmm. to imagine, you know, Beth with anybody. He, he lost his wife recently. He's sort of struggling with his own grief. He's not ready to imagine Beth as an adult. And that, that takes him a while. It takes him a while to come around to the idea of Rip and Beth being together. I don't know if you remember, but in season one, he also says to Beth, quit fucking the help, honey. And then a few <laughs> seasons later, he's calling Rip his son, you know? So there's a lot of evolution that happens over the events of the, the show, Yellowstone, that the character has not come to yet. Yeah, he... Um he also dropped, there's these one-liners. I mean, one of the things that Taylor does so well is he writes these sort of, um, these truths that will play out within dialogue and they, and they feel entirely natural. But when he talks about, he says, protect, the ra protect yourself or the ranch itself. And, you, and you, you have no idea how much fighting you'll do. It feels like a foreshadowing and a looking back at the history of the ranch at the same time and the dynamic that plays out there. And uh, he also says another one that I, I wrote down, which was, you will have a home till the day you die or this ranch is no more. And that is something worth fighting for. And I thought that was something, again, that not only was really beautiful, but is this sort of theme that is played out historically and this theme that plays out moving forward. Yeah, it's funny. This this timeline, this sort of, you know, young JD, young Rip timeline is in between. You're totally right. It's this middle child timeline. We've seen events that happen before it, and we've seen events that happen after it. So you're right. His words kind of both prophecy the future and like sort of are, are an, 
are a story about everything that's brought us to this point. It really echoes in both directions, forward and backwards in time. Yeah, and then there's this very ominous thing, uh, ominous moment where Rip is about to be branded. John steps away and, you know, says, I know what choice you'll make tomorrow. And then he says to young Rip, I didn't, I didn't know I had a choice. And young Rip Rip says, says to young Lloyd, you always have a choice. But, you know, basically, if you make one choice, you go back to Wyoming where we just were and you don't come back. So it's, it's, it's loyal to your death. So while we do have this sort of, I mean, at least I do from within the world have this sort of romantic notion about this branding thing because of what it meant in terms of joining a family. And that's what it felt like when I was within the scene, certainly looking at it from the outside is rather terrifying. I mean, oh yeah, there's a choice, but it's not much of a choice. Because otherwise, you know, you, you've seen a murder, right? So the, <laughs> the equation for the ranch is like, okay, you can work for us forever, right. or you are a witness to us doing murder and disposing of the body. It's the same kind of choice that Jimmy was presented with in season one. You know, uh-huh. Rip says, okay, you can accept this brand and come work on the Yellowstone, or I'll send you to jail for the rest of your life. Right. You know, like it's sort of the like kind of, it's a sort of, <laughs> it's a barely a choice. Yeah. Yeah. You have free will, fate. Um Okay, well, on to cheerier matters. I have Jimmy and Emily with 37 exclamation points written down in my notepad because when we jumped to you, I was so overwhelmed with joy. And Jeff, I got to tell you, you are so, you are such an amazing actor. And that is, that is apparent in every single scene that you do. But there was something, I looked at you in these scenes that were set at the four sixes. And it was a slightly different version of the Jimmy that I was expecting and the Jimmy that I had known. You were, you were a cowboy. You were a four sixes cowboy. And I don't know how you did it, but it was layered into everything that you did. And it was just fantastic. Um, Jeff, Looking at some, looking at that four sixes footage, uh, I couldn't help but notice that some of the faces were faces of people that I had met, not on set, but at rodeo events and whatnot. One of those being true, and I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about all of the four sixes cowboys that were in those scenes. Um, and what it was like working with them, because I don't know if the audience knows this, and, I, and I'm and i not even 100% sure that a lot of those people that we see in those four sixes uniforms are the four sixes cowboys, if not all of them, right? Uh, that's exactly right. It's, it's a real pleasure. Now I've gotten to spend some time with those guys. I'm getting to know them better. So you're talking about True Burson. His mm-hmm. brother, Dusty Burson, is also around. Uh, they're the wagon bosses of two of these different sort of big operations down at the four sixes. But a lot of these guys have just become friends. So in season four, I had some scenes with Will Bodeker, who's an amazing cowboy and also an incredible <laughs> musician. Like all these guys are so multifaceted in a way that just kind of blows me away every time. So this time we also got to hear Will Bodeker. Uh, his, his music, which was such a gift. So also down there, we've got Casey Green, we've got Brewster. We, we've got basically a whole squad. Zach Peters has been taking care of me. It's also like, yeah, th- these guys 
are the best in the world at this. They're the sort of real-life version of the Bunkhouse Boys, you know? They're like the SEAL Team 6 of Cowboys. Um, they are absolutely uh, incredible. Uh, and they're also incredibly patient with me when they don't need to be. You know, I'm an asshole coming from out of town, sort of messing up their work day, functionally speaking. Like, the days we shoot at the Sixes are usually them working and our film crew kind of coming in and just trying to capture it and throwing me into the mix. Let's uh, step away for a second, and when we come back, we'll dive into the rest of the episode. CBS Friday and streaming on Paramount Plus. Campfire's coming to you! Don't miss TV's hottest show, Fire Country. This is a high complexity rescue with a low chance of success. Follow the rules, and you shave another day off your sentence. Critics call it explosive and pure entertainment. I'm a fella. I'm not fit to be anything else. You're not an inmate. You're a firefighter. Bring it on. Fire Country. New episode Friday, 9, 8 central on CBS and now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Um, so huge episode. We spent that time down in Texas and we're back up to Montana where we see the other side of this, which is these cowboys getting ready to send this massive herd down to Texas. Yeah. Uh, we know they're going down to the panhandle of Texas. And then immediately after that, there's a few really moving scenes. There's the dynamic with John and Monica where he basically tells her about this other house for them to live in and uh, that he needs their help. And Monica basically just says to him, all you had to do was ask in terms of getting what you need. I found that to be very simple and, and poignant. And again, out of John's mouth, there comes another one of those lines that just sort of lands on you, which is, it was something along the lines of sometimes he thinks that people have to suffer so that they can teach the next generation of sufferers how to handle it. Yeah, maybe God gives us suffering so we can pass along the knowledge of how we survived it to the next generation of sufferers. <laughs> That's a photographic memory right there. Yeah, it was so moving. Really, and it, you know, as, as we speak about generations of sufferers, what have we been watching in the extended Taylorverse, but uh, generations of sufferers, you know, Tate is now the youngest generation of sufferers, and we've seen him face incredible adversity in his, uh, you know... 12, 13, 14 years of life, you know, in his young life. It really is the Dutton family, as violence hunts them across generations, it really is generations of sufferers. And John also John also says to Monica, the ranch can't be Tate's if the ranch isn't here. And again, it's one of those moments where Taylor has in 1883, uh, you know, and throughout this season of Yellowstone in particular, been saying, hey, this is how this is the seventh generation. This is where the ranch is going to go. This is what's going to happen. And it feels like we're getting so close to it. Yeah. And so there's this really, you know, as, as everybody's sort of getting ready to go down to Texas, there's these really, as you said, a series of really lovely scenes, including the, the next scene between John and his son, Casey, these two guys who aren't really talkers, right? These guys are doers. They're not necessarily the most uh, emotionally expressive guys. But uh, we, we see this sequence where John hugs his son and tells him he loves him. In, in, the, in the interaction immediately following, Casey says to Rip, 
you'd think he's the one leaving and Rip tells him he is. And there was something so sad to me about saying bye without actually even being able to say goodbye. It's hard for these guys. Yeah, it really like their sort of reluctance to say this stuff. We, you know, we've heard it over and over again. In season four, Rip tells Jimmy, cowboys don't say goodbye. We say see you later until we're in that fucking That's ground. Right. There's this oh, kind yeah. of quiet like acceptance of their responsibility but in some ways, I think that's also denial. You know, there's this sort of inability to express the, these deep feelings or perhaps a sort of recognition that expressing them doesn't necessarily make them any easier, doesn't make them go away. It doesn't solve the problem. Yeah. So complicated. What's not complicated is, is, is what John says to Claire in the car about how he's going to handle the Jamie situation, which is menace. And... Claire says, I don't know how to fight with menace. I love it when John says this shit that could be coming out of the mouth of Jacob Dutton, Harrison Ford's character oh, in 1923, so smart. could easily be coming out of the mouth of the, any of these generations. I'll teach you how to fight with menace. It's such a sort of, the, the battles they've been waging, they've been waging for so, so long. Uh, yeah, but this time, you know, it's a threat coming from inside the house. It's a threat coming from inside his own family. And as we, as we learn... This is like a gloves off episode for Jamie like we've never seen before. He's using every tool he has to tear down his own family. And he's got a lot of tools. But before we get there, we've also got a really lovely sequence in the bunkhouse. We've got this beautiful sort of series of goodbyes. We're headed down to Texas. There's a lot of uh, a lot of uh, talk about how cold Texas is in the winter. Um, it, it, it's great. Yeah, that was a that was sort of a sad moment on set. Granted, we have no idea what's going to happen. I'm not just saying that because I'm saying we can't tease anything, audience. <laughs> Jeff and I truly do not know what is going to happen. Who do you think would tell us? <laughs> yeah, that was a sad moment because in the event that we are separated for a period of time, while we are so happy, Jeff, and I cannot say that enough to be able to be closer and potentially in scenes with you there were some goodbyes that 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 felt that felt hard yeah a lot of goodbyes it really everybody who's yeah. leaving has these relationships you know beth and rip torn apart abby and ryan torn apart walker and laramie torn apart teeter mm -hmm. and colby oh my god this has been such a sort of juicy, slow burn relationship for C. I, I think, I think, you know, listening to fans on social media, I think everybody's hungry for details about how this thing works. And we only get these little glimpses into it. But this episode, a real, a real left hook, emotional left hook knocked me on my ass. Yeah, it was sad saying goodbye to him. I loved that Teeter, I love that Taylor had written for Teeter to tell Colby that she loved him. It, on, on the inside, I can just tell you that it was this very, like, it was this very neat experience because Teeter is a cowboy. Teeter is what the Ryan character talks about. Cowboying will always come first. You know, that is the thing. You will go anywhere for it. And so there's this excitement of, of being able to do some cowboy shit, some real intense cowboy shit. And at the same time, there's there's sadness over saying goodbye and, and being able to love somebody 
and uh, not knowing where it will go. And it's and it's just in this moment, maybe. Yeah. So so you know, speaking of relationships, Sarah and Jamie cooking along that sort of Machiavellian twosome is increasingly frightening. I don't want to dig too much into the Jamie stuff in this episode because we got to talk to Wes Bentley about it, and why not hear it from the man himself instead of hearing me and you rave about him? Uh, so. so Obviously, let's let's just run through it real quick because we're going to talk to Wes about it too. But that Jamie, you know, Beth comes to confront Jamie about having brought the impeachment hearing, um, and, and it's been a so far successful first step. So we learn that uh, you know, the Montana State House voted sixty-seven to thirty-three to bring that impeachment hearing. So now John Dutton's going to have to face this tribunal. Um, Beth comes to confront Jamie about it, and Jamie, to his credit, fights back. He has been empowered, maybe by this relationship with Sarah, maybe by just being pushed a little too far. He fights back yep. in a big way. Yeah, this was my favorite Jamie West scene. He was amazing. And uh, yeah, I, I, whatever. I know that I feel like the Jamie character gets so much, so much hate you know, some people are so angry at him, but I love him. And I was so relieved that he had this moment where he just let it rip. So one of the big revelations of this this argument between Jamie and Beth, this catastrophic argument where they're saying things that can't be unsaid, is Jamie tells Beth about the train station and she's learning about it for the right. first time. Yeah. So then she... The look on... Oh my God. The look on Beth's face... Uh, was devastating. I know. The idea that there's stuff that happens at the ranch that she doesn't know about yes. is something that you know would drive her crazy. <laughs> She's such a like, she 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 needs to be in control of everything. She needs to understand mm -hmm. everything. She always needs to be the smartest one in the room. And for this yep. big revelation that everybody else mm -hmm. knows about and she doesn't, you know, Casey knows about it. Jamie knows yep. about it. Rip knows about it. And she's the only one who doesn't. That's a huge betrayal. So what does she do? She, of course, goes first thing and confronts her dad about it and says, hey, you know, do you have anything to tell me about the train station? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then basically says, you know, she it was almost repetitive. Jamie knows about this. Jamie knows about this. So the only thing to do with Jamie is to then take him to the train station. Yeah. And it sets up this just nasty cliffhanger, which is Jamie and Sarah are saying, hey, maybe we should get some uh, professionals involved to handle this problem. And uh, at the same time, Beth and JD are saying, hey, wait a second. Maybe Jamie should go where we take people who threaten this ranch and need to go away. The moment with... Jamie and Sarah, real quick, was so interesting to me because it's a moment in their relationship that I think is pivotal where he actually outpaces her in terms of mal intent. She's sort of been leading him on this dark path and he says, do you know anybody? And she's thinking defense. And she says, you get, you know, security detail. And he's the one who initiates. I'm not talking about defense. I'm talking about offense. I'm talking about killing them. It's really fascinating. You know, we've seen efforts on the Dutton's lives. We've seen attempts 
on John's life, on Casey's life, on Beth's life. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- this one, it feels like there's these two armies sort of gearing up and they're they're pointing uh, the barrels of their guns right at each other. So I really can't wait to see how that explosive conflict plays out in the second half of season five. It's a really exciting brewing conflict. Also, boy, um, y- you hate the timing of it. Jamie and Sarah basically collude to hire a hitman right when Rip leaves town, right when Rip gets on a truck and heads to Texas. A lot of John's soldiers are spread very thin. And, you know, it, it, that's a nasty, it's a nasty situation. John's spending half his time in Helena. He's running around. The last time he got his ass shot to pieces was because he was in a, you know, he was driving between two places and stopped to help a perfectly nice lady with a flat tire. Um, he's in a very vulnerable position and his best soldiers are uh, spread very thin. Mm-hmm. That's all I have to say about mm-hmm. that. It's not looking good. It's not looking good mm-hmm. for anybody. This is a mess. You know, in a civil war, you're going to have casualties on both sides. And I'm really curious to see how this thing plays out. And, you know, I'm kind of grateful that we're in a whole different state. It sounds like the state of Montana is about to turn into a fucking, you know, shooting gallery. Yeah. I'm really glad we're in Texas. Give me the yeah. cold. Give me the cold where no competing squads of hitmen are shooting at each other. It's a great time to be in Texas, and it's a great time not to be a member of a family. It's just great. Um, okay, I- I'm very excited to speak with Wes. Let's get into it with the man himself. Uh, Jen and I feel so lucky, so blessed to have with us in the studio today uh, our dear friend, an actor I've been a fan of for years, and I feel so lucky uh, to be able to call a friend for about five years Mm -hmm. now. Mm -hmm. Uh, We've got the infamous Jamie Dutton. It's Wes Bentley. Wes, thank you so much for being here. Hi, Wes. Thanks for having me, guys. Uh, We got to speak last year on this podcast after season four Aired. We got to sort of have a conversation catching the audience up to your experience of working on the first four seasons of Yellowstone. Uh, I think of this season as a fascinating journey for Jamie. It feels like a bit of a, a side to Jamie we've never seen before. Will you talk a little bit about the experience of working on season five and what's been different than the past four years? Well, a lot's been different by the end of the, the half season. It's, uh, you know, before it it's been a lot of taking it for Jamie and for Wes as Jamie, <laughs> you know, taking on a lot, bring, you know, just pile on the weights and deal with it. And it's been a hard, you know, it's been, as I've talked about before, it's really tricky. You know, it's hard as an actor to just continually do that for years. And despite all your instincts fighting it and um, just as a human being. And uh, so this season, that's that you see the beginning of the change of that. And, um, and actually in a deeper way than I even read initially when I first read the scripts and saw where we were heading, it's, uh, I think there's more depth to it than just Jamie's getting used again. I think Jamie sees an opportunity. And so there's a piece of Jamie that's always been there, but in benefit to the Duttons, which is his schemes. And now he's going to use those schemes possibly against the Duttons. So it's, it's an interesting uh, rebound. It's, I don't think it's a totally conscious one maybe by him. You know, this is 
he's a bit stunned after everything that happened at the end of last season and having to, you know, kill his own father and, you know, and try to go back to the Duttons and try to be what they need him to be. And um, I think he's in a weird, like, state, you know, half alive, half, half just numb. And so, you know, I think he sees an opportunity in Sarah and in market equities and in people who he thinks see his um, usefulness. Do you feel like uh, his having to kill his own dad sort of laid the groundwork for that mental state? And then Sarah Atwood coming in is sort of the engine that he could you know, hook his car to, so to speak, that sort of propels this whole movement forward? I definitely do. I think, you know, we talked a lot about Beth's moment for where she started to hate Jamie and the, and, and we've lived through that and that is a, a horrible thing. But this, I think, is Jamie's, you know, moment where he realizes, oh, I, he, whatever love I had for her, hoped to have for her forever. And he did for Beth. I think he had more hope for that than even Beth ever did. And her forcing him to do that was that moment of she not only doesn't love me and never will, she hates me and wants me dead for real. And I think Jamie wasn't fully, it wasn't clicking when Jamie that she's really after him for all these years until that moment. And that trauma and doing that, I think is the final break for him with her. And now I think it, part of him wants her, you know, wants some to, 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 <laughs> to pay back, I guess he wants some kind of payback and maybe more. I think it has, it has uh, broken something in him <laughs> further than was already broken. When we last spoke last season, I talked a lot about this idea of repression. Like so many of the characters on this show, it's about this expression. It's about this release. And Jamie seems so under control. He seems so buttoned up. Repression has been a sort of necessity for him for his entire life. He's had to repress his impulses in service of this family. So talk about how that relates. So so specifically with Sarah, because you've kind of got Jamie world this season. You have all of these incredible scenes with Sarah, with Dawn. Um, Talk about the freedom that that relationship offers this character, the the experience of of doing those scenes. Is there a kind of release, a catharsis that Jamie's never had before? Definitely. And I think it comes across in the scene where he is um, sharing with uh, Sarah that, uh, what he really wanted to be. And Jamie, like you said, he's been buried under what John wants him to be and whatever obligation he felt to, to Beth and to his brothers. So whatever Jamie is and whoever Jamie is, he has no idea. And it seems to be that Sarah starts to coax that out, that she's not just like sleeping with him. She's pulling out this guy that she can see buried under him. And Don is incredible. Don brought more than what's on the page. And there's a lot on the page to work with. And Don, she's an incredible actor. I was really excited when we started kicking it off because I saw something there to really latch on to. And, and she was bringing something different for, for me and for Jamie. And so, it, you know, yeah, I, I was discovering, you know, as we halfway through the shooting it, I was at home and I actually had a lot of time off as we went through all the stuff we had to go through shooting the show. And I was just sitting in this, like in the middle of the woods by myself for a couple of weeks. And I had, that gave me time to really ruminate on these scenes that I found very challenging because they were opening parts of Jamie I hadn't opened yet. So, you know, I wasn't prepared for that. And I really was nervous. I wanted to get it right. I wanted to meet Taylor and go beyond him if I could. 
And so luckily I had those at that time and I just sat there and it just was hitting me how much was underneath all that stuff that I've been playing, that Jamie's been playing. He's been playing for longer. And, and so, yeah, you know, Don, Sarah, the way she's doing, it, it's not like your typical story of being manipulated and used. Cause I don't know if it's that clear. I think Jamie knows what's going on. Right. I mean, he's been through enough of these. Totally. He's a smart guy. He sees what's coming. Now it's like, well, maybe I want to do that. There's this really amazing moment in that scene. Cause when Jeff was talking, I was thinking about that exact same scene and you, it almost looked like something that I, I don't even know if you're aware of how how much you did it. Uh, but she, Sarah says to you, your father's jealous of you. And you see, I'm going to talk about Jamie like he's a real person and you don't play him. Uh, I love it. <laughs> Jamie lights up and hooks onto that in a way. And it's, and then you, I'm going to talk about, you know, you like leaned in and you like came closer to her. And it was such this moment, I get goosebumps talking about it because I've had moments in my life where I'm so desperate for someone's approval and they will not give it to me. And I just can't get out from underneath them. And that moment when somebody says, you don't need to get out from underneath them, you've already transcended them or your own you know, or the fact that they're just jealous of you or whatever. And it is this moment where you're like, you're free. It's like the ceiling's been taken off. That's a great insight. I'm glad it came across. I, 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 you know, you don't know these things. And it was one of those, that was one of those scenes where everything Don was doing was, was doing that. She was delivering in such a way that was like cracking open those things. Like you said, we've all had, I think most people have had that moment where they're like, yeah, they're buried under something. And finally someone sets you free by going, you're imagining that. It's the opposite. Yeah. And your mind's And for Jamie, that's beyond more than just his ego. That can mean his whole livelihood. Everything he wanted, which is to really be away from them and be powerful in his own right, was just sitting there waiting because, oh, the guy I was afraid of is actually afraid of me. Oh, I'm strong. Oh, I'm, a, I'm, I'm smart. Right. If I may, briefly step outside the world of Yellowstone. If I dare step okay. outside the world of Yellowstone. <laughs> Wes, what's up, man? How you doing? What are you excited about? I want people to know, people know you as Jamie and people yeah. have a relationship to you as Jamie. And I guess yeah. I just also want to make sure that uh, the audience out there gets to uh, know and love you the way that we do as a person of many dimensions. <laughs> yes, all two of them. I, uh, <laughs> I I like acting and I like soccer. No one was hearing me talk about soccer, but yes, I love soccer. I'm I'm surprised when I meet fans or people who know me that they they're surprised that I smile and laugh and make jokes. <laughs> but it's also one of the best parts of this job because I realize I'm doing my job if they think that because that's that is me most of the time. I love to uh, you know I, I started in acting as a loving improv comedy. So we did, I did improv competitions with my, with some buddies They were really good and funnier than me, but that, you know, I, my first thrill was making people laugh. I love doing that on set, you know, having a good laugh with everybody, especially on a, on a heavy day, if it's not too distracting to, to just, just to let remind ourselves that we're people and all that. And, but, um, yeah, man, I don't know. I'm, I'm also, I love being a dad, you know, like I have two great kids who are at great ages, 12 and eight, and they're very active and. I'm very active. I get out and I play soccer a lot. I meet a lot of different people all over the world. I don't, I, I tend to 
play pickup games wherever I go, just because it, it's not just soccer, it's culture too. It's, it's, it's neighborhoods, it's, it's families, it's, um, you know, it's all that. So, um, yeah, I get, I mean, those are a couple of my things. I love being active and I, I, love, I, I, I think it's just surprising when people see me actually laugh and smile and make a joke. <laughs> so when he, Jen was talking earlier about the kind of disconnect between teeter and gin and how strange it is to sort Which of, is huge, by the way. Yeah, people sometimes don't recognize her because yeah, you know you? it's it's such a transformative performance. And Jamie's <laughs> the same way, like the scowl and the furrowed brow yeah. is is the the weight <laughs> that, that character change holds. When I see you outside the world of that, it is you 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 have such a sort of effervescent lightness to you, you know? Oh, thanks, man. You too. You too, but you don't have to do all the scowling. You can bring it to the work. I <laughs> I just get to be a fucking idiot all the time. Uh, that's fun though. That's fun. Yeah, and by the way, Jen, you're amazing. I love watching you. Both of you are amazing, but you know, you're both so transformative. And Jefferson, what a path for Jimmy that I think people are just loving. And my brother, by the way, I've told you this before, he's you're still his favorite character, and I'm trying so hard to win him over, but he just doesn't like me <laughs> as much as you. And everybody you know, in my life really likes Rip. You know, my girlfriend's favorite character, Rip. My mom's so favorite character is Rip. My grandma, you know, cool. calls me to check in on Rip. Oh, my my nieces. Well, one of my nieces told me that Beth's her hero, which no. is a really complicated <laughs> feeling for Wes and Jamie to go through. <laughs> um, Wes. Yay. <laughs> Wes, besides, I mean, soccer and being hilarious, and I can vouch that you are actually <laughs> genuinely one of the funniest people on set in the whole three times we've gotten to be in the same room oh, together while we go off days. to shoot. Yeah, like different scenes. Uh, when I yeah. ran into you in Hamilton this year, we were talking about uh, horseback riding. And mm-hmm. I was I I don't know if the fans know that you came into the show with more riding prowess than a lot of the other actors and Hmm. the audience never gets to see that. (laughs) I mean, never. And it's kind of like a point of like, you know, I grew up watching Westerns with my dad. I I wanted to do Westerns. Like that was kind of one of my goals. I mean, that's things change, but so when I, you know, and and especially with Taylor's stuff, I was really excited about Taylor's stuff before I'd met him and had asked to work on his thing. And then, yeah, you want to be in a Western with Taylor Sheridan? Yes, I do. Where's my horse? What? A suit? A pen? Huh? They're riding horses? Because, <laughs> yeah. you know, we went off to cowboy camp and, uh, you know, a few of the guys never rode and 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 I had horses and I rode and <laughs> yeah, Jefferson was one of them. But you're not supposed to have been ridden. So, it's so funny, but I also, ride. I feel like this is so dramaturgically valid because you poor Wes is stuck <laughs> just like Jamie is kind of yeah. ripped away from the ranch, sent off to Harvard law when he's a kid kept yep. away from this beautiful cathartic, you know, how much real estate in Yellowstone is spent talking about the beautiful experience of riding out in nature and Jamie never gets Any to touch it. it. Jamie is sort of oh, no. kept Not in this that. cage. I know like that I get to read these amazing scenes where you guys just wax poetic about, yeah, like you said, Montana and the beauty. I'm flipping through these pages like, wow, that's going to be a beautiful scene. And then I turn it and all I see is uh, someone's dragging me down the hallway, kicking me in the face and I'm crying. <laughs> oh, okay. 
interior, shitty room. Jamie sits sad. (laughs) No snacks on set that day. No other beneficial. They just keep piling on to make it miserable. Jamie wears an incredibly tight tie. You know, he can barely swallow. You know what's crazy too is these horses are some of the best horses I will ever get a chance to ride because they are, they're not just Wrangler set horses, right? You guys know, you're the ones who have to ride them. They are award-winning, like crazy trained horses. And so that made it especially exciting, especially when we were like learning how to cut. Like I got really into cutting. I thought I was pretty good at it. It seemed like they said I was good at it to the point where I was telling Jim when we ran into each other, I was like, I'll maybe go do this competition. It didn't work out for me, but I love all that stuff. Yeah, I was really, I really bummed. And to the point where I won't even go ride, you know, on my off days, because it just don't want to get the hopes up or whatever, uh, that, you know, this might change. (laughs) I think my ship sailed, though. Wes, as always, it is an absolute joy to speak with you. We feel so, so grateful for your time. Uh, You're one of my favorite actors in the world. Uh, So thanks for five years of this incredible performance. Thanks for five years of your friendship. I, I treasure it dearly. Thank you so much. Yeah, that's really nice of you. Wes Bentley, you are one of my favorite people, and thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us today. And I can say, from me and the entire Yellowstone family, we cannot wait to see what happens next. It really is starting to line up. Like, like I, I, I don't know how everybody could survive this. It's starting to feel like uh, somebody very close to us is not going to survive this. But... All is not lost. While we wait for the second half of Yellowstone season five, I am so stoked to dig into the journey of 1923. And the only official Yellowstone podcast is going to be right here with you the whole way. That's right. So listeners, do not forget to subscribe and listen to the official Yellowstone podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. See you next time. Thanks for being here. Bye, guys. The official Yellowstone podcast is a production of 101 Studios and Paramount. This episode was produced by Scott Stone. Brandon Getchis is the head of audio for 101 Studios. Steve Razis is the executive vice president of the Paramount Global Podcast Group. Special thanks to Megan Marcus, Jeremy Westfall, Ainsley Rosito, Andrew Sarnow, Jason Reed, and Whitney Baxter from Paramount. And, of course, David Glasser, David Huckin, and Michelle Newman from 101 Studios. Friday and streaming on Paramount Plus. Campfire's coming to you! Don't miss TV's hottest show, Fire Country. This is a high complexity rescue with a low chance of success. Follow the rules, then you shave another day off your sentence. Critics call it explosive and pure entertainment. I'm a fella. I'm not fit to be anything else. You're not an inmate, you're a firefighter. Bring it on. Fire Country. New episode Friday, 9 8 Central on CBS and now streaming on Paramount Plus.